Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined by... Master Gardener Teresa Rooney this morning, waiting for your calls and text messages. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Denny. And I just have to quickly say, I hear there's a big day coming up this week. Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Well, who's counting? But thank you. A a little bird told me, nope, it's just another wonderful year we have you with us. So that's wonderful. Happy birthday. You're very kind. Thank you very much, Teresa. Yes, and it's going to be in the 60s this week. So that, that in itself is a nice gift, for sure. That's a wonderful gift, yeah. And and I'm seeing a lot of my lawn now. It's not mm-hmm. really greening up yet, but it's uh, it's visible anyway. And and a lot of folks are getting really excited to get outside. I'm already thinking about getting different types of uh, tomato plants this uh, going. Oh, wonderful. This and, and, you know, and that's part of the, what we should be doing this time of year is just looking at our lawns. Don't go out there yet. It's way yes. too wet, and, and you don't want to be stepping on them. But we want to be pruning our fruit trees and then thinking about what we're going to plant in our gardens, maybe try some different tomatoes or different uh, peppers. There's a great uh, article in the Extension uh, website about uh, green peppers, so uh, some varieties that you might want to try. Uh, and then just start planting our gardens, checking our house plants, bringing up those plants and bulbs that we put away for storage and restarting our geraniums and, and planting out our dahlias and getting everything up and growing because we'll be able to put those out in two months or so. So you want those nice and healthy and you can get big plants. In. So there's a lot we can be doing this time of year. Absolutely. But no lawn work yet. Not yet, no. Because I know we'll get we'll get questions about, can I get out there tomorrow and rake? No, you don't want to do that. Uh, no, you don't yet. want to do that, no. no. Uh, if you have a lawn or garden question, you can call it in or text it in. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. And if you're familiar with the show, you know we tend to get really busy and uh, we don't want to miss your questions, as they said, either by phone or text. So. Uh, give it to us right now, either by phone or by text, and uh, Teresa will uh, will help us out. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. It's kind of a partial text here, so maybe I can kind of translate. It's about a lettuce mix. The uh, texter's struggling with it. it. Says it stagnates at three to four inches tall, gets crispy. Is it possible? Question is that lettuce requires less light. 
it, it could be getting too much light or too much heat where you've got it in the window, especially if it's right near an air duct and, and maybe there's uh, hot air blowing on it. So give it a little less light and, um, and go ahead and start harvesting that because even when it's small, those wonderful little lettuce mixes and mescaline mixes are absolutely delicious in your, in your salads and your, in your sandwiches. And most right. of them are cut and come again, so they'll just keep growing for you. That's good news. Here is another text that says, uh, I have a 6 by 20 area boulevard that is infested with crabgrass. I'm thinking of scraping off the top layer, planting marigolds and wildflowers in the whole spot, which receives intense sun all day. What's the best way, the question is, to prepare the ground for that? Well, if it's crabgrass, um, that means then that the crabgrass is an annual, so everything that was there last year is dead, but you may have a lot of seedlings out there. So what you what you can do is you, you could just use a uh, crabgrass preventer, and that would stop those seedlings from sprouting, but that would also stop your marigolds and your wildflowers from sprouting. So in that case, then, you could carefully plant your marigolds out, your seedlings, and then you'd have to do a lot of hand uh, weeding to get the crabgrass seedlings out of there. Uh, scraping off part of the soil might be an option. Add some compost to back in. Always make sure that your boulevards are um, level or even a little concave. You don't want them to be mounded because you want to keep the water on the boulevards and not racing into our streets and sewer systems. So if at all possible, a tiny bit of concave or at least level is good for your boulevard gardens. And then just know you're going to have to do a lot of watering because even though those are hardy seeds, they're going to need a lot of water out on that hot, dry boulevard. Good luck. Let us uh, go to the phones. Ken is calling in uh, from Blaine, first up here. Ken, uh, what is your question for Teresa? Hi, Ken. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a question on cyclamens. Uh, I've been getting a little reading about them, and I understand that there are wild cyclamens, and they're like a bulb plant. I didn't realize they were bulbs. Yep. And, uh, Mm-hmm. And All then, the cyclamens uh, are bulbs. Mm-hmm. And then, are they perennial? I mean, can they? Can you plant them outside? And will... they're they're not hardy in our area, Ken. They're a, a, a hardier in maybe zone seven or eight, and I'm guessing there, but not hardy for us. So, so you'd have to dig them up, um, or just keep them in containers and bring them in the house. They're they're not frost frost hardy at all. All right, very good. Good luck. Uh, let's see. Tonka Bay is the next stop here. Leslie is there, I believe, with a question. Leslie, you're on uh, CCO with Teresa. Hi, Leslie. Hey, th- thank you. Good morning. Love your show. Lots of for you. Thank you. And, and I know you had a lot of questions about amaryllis, but I have maybe like a... Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat? Um, I have a bromeliad plant I'd like to talk about. Okay. I and think. what is your question? Well, my my fronds are starting to curl. The ends of the fronds are the big, long leaves, and I'm wondering if it's too dry. It might be too dry, and make sure that you're using distilled water, not water out of the sink. So you want to use distilled water or um, something that's gone through, like maybe a reverse osmosis, so it gets all the stuff out of it. That will be helpful, yep. And they don't need super bright light, so make sure you're not putting it in the super bright hot sun. Okay. Te- uh, texter wants to know, what's the best way to treat snow mold? 
All you have to do, and this is a mold that happens under the snow in the wintertime, and then there's uh, extra organic matter, grass and stuff, and it just starts to mold with the warmth and the and all snow in the wintertime, and then there's uh, extra organic matter, grass and stuff, and it just starts to mold with the warmth and the and all the, the mold under there. So all you have to do is go out there with a rake and gently just fluff it up. You're going to aerate a little bit. That just dries it out, and it'll kill it right away. You don't have to worry about it other than that. It looks a little awful, but a little fluffing with a rake or just, just something uh, will will air it out and dry it up, and it'll die. And I know we're getting a, a tree trimming questions again. Uh, can Texas says this, can I trim my oak tree still? I would do the sooner rather than later because we're going to be warmer and with the warmer temperatures there's more chance of insects and diseases floating through the air so get them trimmed as quickly as possible and and also when the things start warming up you'll see a lot of bleeding on your trees and and so you may just the sap running with the maples and the birch and, and trees like that it's not a big deal it just looks really horrible it's nothing really to worry about but that's something you need to consider too when we start trimming into the warmer part of the late winter early spring yeah it's getting near that that, that border it is uh, yep. any any doubts you should really contact an, an arborist contact a taking. certified arborist yeah. yep and they will give you they because they're really aware of what's going on in your particular area with temperatures and diseases and what you're seeing in your in your county or whatever they'll be really aware and and they've got their their fingers right on the pulse and they'll give you the best best information we need to take a quick break, Teresa. Okay. If you've just joined us, Master Gardener Teresa Runa answering your lawn and garden questions today here on our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. 651-989-9226 is our phone number. It's also the text number. And we'll have more of both when we come back. Here on News Talk 830-WCCO, it's 30 degrees. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions by phone and by text. And Teresa, as usual, we have a bunch of both. So uh, let's uh, put you back to work here. Uh, We wanted to get Leslie back on from Tonka Bay. I think we missed uh, her uh, before. Leslie, Mm -hmm. good morning. Good morning, Leslie. Thank you. I don't know what happened there. I'll I'll try to – okay. Here's my question. I have about a dozen amaryllis. They have lots of leaves. I've only had two bloom this year. I've had them for years. They're reclouded. Uh, I give them fish tank water. I do give them a dormant period. But I'm wondering if I'm bringing them up from my basement too fast. Should I wait for them to start to grow? I just brought them all up at once this time, and I'm wondering if that's what's going on. Thank you. Okay, that's a good question. First of all, they like to be tight in your pot, so make sure they don't have too much room in the pot. Um, you don't need to give them a dormant period if you don't want to. The dormant period is just really for you and whenever you want them to schedule blooming. So bringing them up early or late isn't going to be a big thing. Um, uh, just make sure they have as much sun or as much light as you can give them. You're giving them a nice fertilizer. If you want to uh, supplement that, that's a little, that's okay. And I did hear in one of the previous programs, I'm not sure if it was Mary or Julie, but they did say sometimes the 
bulbs just kind of just peter out and they, they don't flower again. Um, but what you might want to do this year is let those bulbs do what they're going to do this year and then put them outside so they get a lot of sun in the summertime. That will give them a lot of energy to, to put into next year's um, flowers. And then at that point, decide, hey, they still aren't flowering. Maybe it's time for them to go to the compost bin. Or I'm okay with them just being greenhouse plants and I don't need them to flower again. And that could be your choice at that time. And if they flower, that's wonderful. Good luck. Very good. We, uh, we're getting a few questions, more questions about trimming, especially oaks. And just got a note from our friend Julie Weisenhorn mm-hmm. who said, good morning, oak owners should finish pruning by end of March. High oak wilt risk is April to June. I can check uh, my Minnesota Woods blog for the risk status. My Minnesota Woods blog. Thanks, Julie. And I think you can. Thanks, Julie. I think you can get to that to the uh, extension of university, the extension.umn.edu site. On the right hand side, there's other resources, so you can get there. That's a that's a great little uh, newsletter to sign up for too. The my Woods. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Dorothy, I think, is calling from Minneapolis uh, this morning. Thanks for waiting, Dorothy. What is your question? Hi, Dorothy. Hello. I'm wondering about pruning apple trees. They should be pruned this month. Is that correct? Yes. Go ahead and prune your apples this month. Your apples, all your fruit trees can be pruned this month. That's all right. Very good. Easy enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk to Ann, who's calling in from Monticello this morning. Ann, you're on CCO with uh, Teresa Rooney. Hi, Ann. Hi. Hi, um, I have brick planters in front of my house, and I was wondering if I can plant tulip bulbs in those, and then if I have to dig them up, if I'm going to plant um, annuals in them after the tulips bloom, what what do you recommend, or is it okay. not something well, I can have in those planters? You, you could try it. It depends on how big the planters are. You want the tulips to go through a dormant period over the winter time. So if the mm-hmm. if they're going to be really hot in there in the middle of winter and it's not going to freeze or it's going to come out of dormancy and go back into dormancy. It's going to freeze and thaw. Um, it may not work for tulip bulbs, uh, but I would give it a shot. Uh, you know, try and see if the tulip, put the tulip bulbs more toward the center where the soil is going to stay frozen the longest. And then you could leave those tulip bulbs in there Put your uh, perennial or your annual plants in afterwards and just set your annual plants a little to the front or a little to the back so you're not overwatering the tulip bulbs. Overwatering your tulip bulbs during those summertime is definitely going to kill them. Uh, so they could be killed by overwatering or by not staying frozen properly long enough and coming out freezing and thawing. But it could be a good experiment just to see if you can get that to work in there. Hopefully okay. that works for you, Anne. Thanks, Ann. Uh, when, Texter says, when can I start my dahlia bulbs in the house? I would go ahead and pull them up now and start them. Uh, you can, you know, put them, you can put them in a small container and then transplant them if needed or just put them in the larger container. Uh, you'll have a good, uh, you know, two months growth on, growth on them. So then you should see flowers earlier in the season. So go ahead and start potting up those dahlia bulbs anytime that you want to. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Larry is calling in from New London this morning. Larry, you're on CCO with Teresa. Hi, Larry. Good morning. See, I've got two bur oaks on my property, um, a number of them. Two of them are side by side. The base of the tree actually abuts together. Okay. Another one where they're, they're probably a foot or foot and a half apart. 
Can I cut the smaller of the two? You can. You can. If you're trying to make it more of a single tree, not of the double, you can do that. Sure. Um, and I would do it sooner rather than later so you don't have as much included bark to worry about and damage to the tree that you're leaving there. You can cut that down. If it's a fairly large tree, I would definitely contact an arborist, a certified arborist. They could they could take that tree out properly for you and not have it drop on the house or, or do any damage. And just understand if it's fairly large, that the, the part that's left may look a little uh, disfigured because it may be one-sided until it starts to grow out on the other side. So those are things that you want to consider. Good luck, okay. Larry. Very good. I'll tell you what, let's do. Let's take a break. Bottom of the hour break. We're going to have a look at that forecast for the coming week. Looks mighty warm, at least relatively speaking. Uh, Keep in mind, this is just the 6th of March. I think we still have a chance of having some more winter weather, but we'll see. We'll check out that forecast and uh, be back with another half hour of our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, answering your questions by phone and by text. Same number, 651-989-9226. Here's a text, uh, Teresa. Uh, The texter says, I have a a Phalaenopsis orchid. Leaves and roots of growth on the end of a long stem. Now a bloom is growing. What should I do? Oh, I would enjoy the bloom. And when it's done, as the stalk that the bloom is on dies down, you can cut that back. And sometimes you'll get a second bloom uh, underneath it, if that makes more sense, closer to uh, where the uh, plant, where that stem joins the plant. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Just enjoy the bloom. Um, do, do continue to water it and give it a little fertilizer, uh, maybe quarter strength fertilizer. Okay. Enjoy. This listener wants to know what veggies should we start inside now and when should we uh, sow beets in the ground? Okay, that, so the beets, you want to wait till the ground's maybe closer to 45, 50 degrees, so it's a little early for beets yet in the ground. I'd probably wait till next month for that. And it's even a little early for a lot of vegetables in the house um, because trying to keep them alive for two months and not to get too tall and gangly, uh, maybe, toward, maybe toward the middle or the end of March, you can start sowing uh, your squashes and, and your peppers, your tomatoes. Um, they they they, then they would be at the right size and not too gangly when you go and plant them out at the end of May. Mm-hmm. And you can this, always go to the extension.umn.edu. They have really good information about when to sow seeds indoors, what seeds you should sow indoors, and which ones you should sow directly into the garden. That is such a great website, extension.umn.edu. We recommend that uh, every show, uh, every week, and it's really worthwhile. A lot of love and and labors of love got put into that uh, that website. Exactly. There's amazing information on that. You can learn something every every day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Here's a listener's question. It says, I have calla lily bulbs in my basement. When do I need to bring them upstairs, and what what do I do with them? 
Okay, so you just you want to bring them up now or whenever you want to this month is fine, even next month. But the sooner you bring them up, the bigger they'll be when you actually do plant them out toward the end of May when the soil is warm in your area. Just go ahead, plant them at the depth they were growing before. Give them a good drink of water. And uh, if you want to, you can set them in a bright window, just somewhere where it's going to be warm. And with the, with the water and warmth, they'll know it's time to start growing. And then because they are, um, you don't need that much bright sunlight for them. Once they start to come up, you can pull them back unless they're in an east window. Uh, they don't need a super, super amount of sun, not as much as tomatoes would, but they would like some extra sun. Good luck with your callus. If you'd like to call in your question or text, same number, 651-989-9226. This listener has a point, says there's still a lot of winter left. What happens when trees and flowers begin to bud out and then they freeze again? Well, the nice thing is, is a lot of the trees and flowers understand winter and they're prepared for it. You may lose some blooms. There are plants that may just bloom a little too far and then the freeze is a little too much and you lose those blooms. It's usually just a cosmetic issue. Uh, in the case of fruit trees, sometimes like your apricots and your peaches, if they lose their blooms, then you don't get fruit that year. But you still have a tree. You still have the leaves. They'll be fine. Uh, there may be some disfiguration. Uh, if your hostas come up and get nipped by the frost, it's not really a big deal. Plants grow past this. It's nothing we can worry about, and it's really nothing we can do about anyway because it's Mother Nature, That's and right. we just have to know that the plants are going to do what the plants are going to do, and they have to deal with the weather that comes. Um, and most of the plants have a, sort of like an antifreeze in them. It's not antifreeze, but it helps to stop them from damage. And, and so that is in the plant long enough so they usually can get past most of the freezes um, unless we have a really late unseasonable frost. And then we may just do it again with cosmetic damage and it's nothing to worry about. Well, that's not going to happen for the next seven days, according it's to this forecast. Gonna, it's a beautiful so, forecast, yeah. yeah. This listener, Teresa, wants to know, when can I put out beneficial insects? What are the best ones for lawns and gardens? Well, I would definitely go to the extension.uman.edu website. Uh, you, you can you can put them out depending upon what you're aiming for. You need to know why are you putting them out there? What insects or or what problems are you trying to mitigate? So you have to work with that and then figure out that that insect's life and when it should be put out there. So every single situation could be different. Um, and, and the easiest way really is to just build a beneficial ecosystem in your yard. Uh, you know, minimize the use of pesticides and herbicides, grow healthy soil, grow healthy grass, grow healthy plants and trees. And all of your good beneficial insects will usually come and take care of the problems. So you'll have a nice balanced ecosystem and you don't have to put a lot of input in. Uh, but, but you need to figure out why you're putting out the beneficials and what you're trying to target and then go to the extension website and research exactly that problem and go down that path and that will give you your information. All right. I know we've talked about it. Listener says uh, this a lot in past shows. The best way to get rid of fungus gnats, taking the plant out, washing the roots, and replanting. Question is, do you let the roots completely dry before replanting? Nope. 
Don't get them planted up right away. Uh, the roots want to be in moist soil, so they don't they don't need to be air dried. You just want to give them a good wash to get out as many of those uh, little eggs and any little fungus gnat nymphs out there or whatever part of the lifestyle they're at, life stage they're in. Just want to rinse those off. Get them back into good, healthy soil. Give them a good drink of water so it's nice and moist and that's all because you've, you've kind of traumatized the roots a little bit. So you want to be gentle with them. No fertilizers. And uh, then then just keep an eye on it. Again, fungus gnats are mostly just a, a little problem. They're, they're nothing really to worry about. They're more of a of a, I don't know, past a, a nuisance. That's what I'm saying. They're more of a nuisance than anything else. Good luck right. with your fungus naps. Let's go back to the phones, Teresa. Susan is calling in from Wyoming, I believe, this morning. Susan, thank you for waiting. What's your question for Teresa? Hi, Susan. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have a, sm- a small service uh, berry tree, mm-hmm. and it's the, the uh, bark has been damaged by, I believe, deer. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the way to the center, but enough where you could see it um, shredded. Mm-hmm. What can I What can I do so the tree doesn't die? Okay, so what you can do uh, right now, something uh, to protect the the bark that's there, and by that I mean uh, hardware cloth or chicken wire, and just create a cylinder all the way up to the first branch. So you want to stop further damage. And there's nothing you can physically do. What you just have to see is how badly damaged that was. The tree may die above that, but it will also often have growing nodes under that where it may start to come out and bush out from under that if, if it's been um, damaged all the way and, and the, everything's damaged on there and it dies above. Uh, but, yeah, there's nothing you can do now except prevent further damage, don't stress the tree anymore, and just watch and see what happens and go from there and see see how bad the damage is. Good luck, Susan. All right, thanks for the call. Line is open, 651-989-9226. Any suggestions this listener wants to know or resources for totally redesigning a garden to add bushes and make it less work? Oh, I love that idea. Um, there are, uh, you could go online to our extension website and get some ideas. Um, some of my suggestions would be, um, instead of planting another annual or perennial, buy the smallest little shrub that you can find. Uh, for the variety that you want in that area, whether it's an evergreen or a deciduous, and plant that instead. It's not going to be that much more expensive than a nice perennial would be, but in three to five years, it'll be a bush. And instead of having an annual, you'll then have a bush. It'll The garden will look more established, and you'll have a lot less work to do. Uh, you know, look at pictures. Figure out what you want your final garden to look like. Do you want it to be a mix of evergreens and maybe some grasses and an evergreen and um, a few deciduous shrubs. That could be a very beautiful, low-maintenance, do some tulip and daffodil bulbs in there, and you're set for an entire four seasons of gorgeousness in Minnesota, and with very little care, especially if you choose some some dogwoods with different colored, uh, different colored uh, branches and maybe a hydrangea with some spring flowers. You can make it so beautiful. So look at articles, look at magazines, look at pictures to see what you want. Research each plant and then just 
get your garden together. You you know how to design your garden and do go to the extension.uman.edu website. And there is also a, a landscape design on that. And that can help you to find shrubs that will match what you're looking for. Good luck. Yeah. Extension.umn.edu. Great website. The magic place to go to. It really is. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Teresa, I know we're up against the clock here. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we have uh, more phone calls, more text messages coming along here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCC. On our way to 50 degrees today right now, it's 30. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Denny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney answering your lawn and garden questions. And as usual, Teresa, still have a bunch of them. Let's see how many folks we can uh, help here. Um, There's one that says a a home has ewes surrounding the property that are overgrown, uh, 10 feet tall. Can they be cut back significantly to 4 feet tall or more or just removed entirely uh, for and re-landscape so they can re-roof, paint the house, etc. What do you think? Can it, they be trimmed back that much? They could. It, it's possible. You don't know what they'd look like afterwards and what growing points may be left at that, that point. Um, you could do a more gradual trimming back, and that would activate more growing points. But if they want to redo the, the roof and the siding, I would probably just pull everything out, start again, and then um, consider what what the final look is that you're looking for and how put the right plant in the right place. You don't want a 15-foot plant right next to your house. You know, consider the final final option. Um, so it may be easier just to pull everything out, do all the housework that you need to do, and then just start over with a new landscape that you can put your stamp on and, and enjoy and um, and make sure it's going to look good now and into the future. This listener wants to know, can I still trim my honey locust tree? Hmm. Um, I don't want to guess on that one. I think you can, but I would definitely go to the extension.umn.edu website, click on the yard and garden line, uh, garden garden tab, and double check the honey locust. I know they're they're a little weird with trimming, and I I don't remember exactly when to trim those. I can't remember that one, so I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. So please do go to the extension site for that one. Extension.umn.edu. Okay. Uh, this one, this listener, I'll tell you what, let's do this. I think Jane is calling in from Benson this morning. Uh, Jane, thanks for waiting. What's your question for, for uh, Master Gardener Teresa Rooney? Hey, Jane. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking the call. Okay. Um, my husband planted some tulip bulbs last fall, and we had them in the basement. And then we brought them up, and they have bloomed. Mm-hmm. And now what do we do with them? You can try planting them outside once the ground is thawed. You can try that. Um, most of the time, though, when we force tulips like this, it pretty much wrecks them and do much. But sometimes, so you can either just say, thank you, tulip, for blooming so beautifully and send it to the compost bin. Or you can try planting it outside. In that case, it may just compost on site for you. Or it may come up with leaves next spring and, and not do anything and then just die out or it could bloom. So I know I've covered all the bases there. But uh, for the most part, they're once you force them, they're pretty much done. But you can always try to plant them if you want to give it a shot. Good luck. All right. 
This listener says, both of my Christmas cactuses, or cacti, if I can say that, are mm-hmm. in an east window. Both are reblooming and healthy, but one has become almost burned-looking, dark reddish foliage. Is it getting too much sun, do you think? I don't think it's... It could be too much sun. There's also something I want to say with phosphorus or something or magnesium. There's something when it turns red. Uh, So pull that one back a little bit. It may just be a little more sensitive to the sunshine or put a a sheer curtain in front of that one and then just see how it goes. And definitely go to the extension.uman.edu website. Uh, Check on those houseplants for the cacti and just see if there's something. There is something with the red color that's, uh, I believe it's some micronutrient, but I can't remember offhand what it is. I'm sorry. Okay. This uh, listener says, I realized last fall that my yard has grubs, lots of dead grass. How do I get rid of them this spring? Well, you don't know if the grubs that were there last fall are going to be there this fall, this spring. So go to the Extension website, extension.umn.edu. They will tell you on there how to test for grubs, what time you want to do that this year, because the grubs that were there last year may have pupated into the beetles and then be gone, or they may be tiny enough where you can treat them this year. Once they get to a certain size, you can't really treat them because they're already not eating, they're already going to pupate, and, and whatever you put in the soil is not really going to impact them. So so you do want to figure out if you have a grub problem, this if your lawn has a grub problem this year, and then go from there what, when you want to treat it, and there's a timing when you want to treat that and what you want to treat it with. So, so you have to figure out what if you still have an infestation, if the infestation is bad enough, and what time you want to treat that infestation. Okay. Good luck. This listener is hoping for your expertise with Japanese morning glories. I would like, uh, he or she said, uh, to plant two different varieties within about six feet of each, uh, of each other. Will they cross-pollinate? They may cross-pollinate if they're blooming at the same time. So you only have to worry if you're going to be selecting the seeds next year. If you're going to plant new seeds next year for the same plants, you don't have to worry about it at all. Um, there may be some um, some plants that make it through the winter, some seeds that make it through the winter. Sometimes people have morning glories that do self-seed and they come up and they, they are a problem. In that case, you could just take those plants out. But uh, so unless you're going to plant the seeds on, then you may have an issue. But if you're just going to grow them this year and then plant new ones again next year, you don't have to worry about the cross-pollination. It won't, it won't impact this year's flowers. All right. Very good. Uh, can save delphinium seeds be started now or do they need a cold period? Mm, delphiniums. I don't believe they need a cold period, so you could go ahead and start them. Okay, very good. Uh, let's, uh, I think we have time. Yeah, let's, let's grab another phone call. Amanda's calling in from Brooklyn Center this morning. Amanda, you're on CCO with uh, Teresa. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm well. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Um, we have put in um, lots of fruit trees in our half acre, mm-hmm. and the plums are doing great. The apples are doing okay. Um, but the pears have never blossomed with any fruit, and it's been five years, okay. and they have grown tall. They have great leaves every year, um, but there's no blossoms and there are no pears. And okay. we know that they're definitely two different kinds. 
Okay. Um, because we bought them intentionally, um, you know, for fruit. So I was mm-hmm. wondering what you would recommend. Okay. So uh, did you plant them? Are they, uh, what size rootstock are they on? Are they on dwarf, semi-dwarf, or full-size rootstock? I believe they are full-size. Okay. So so with full-size trees, they can take up to 10 years before they reach maturity. Dwarf, it usually takes three to five, and then the semi-dwarfs, five to seven. So it could be that those fruit trees are just still, like, too young to be fruiting. Um, so so up to 10 years for full-size trees. Also, you do want to make sure with the pears that you've got, that you've researched and gotten two that will cross-pollinate at the same time. So you And you've done that, so that should be okay. So you're probably just looking at another three to four, five years until you start seeing some flowers. Good luck. All right. That, that sounds like a wonderful place to visit. I should say. And, Teresa, we have a couple minutes to go. Uh, let's see how many folks we can help in the meantime. Okay. Um, this uh, texter says, My Black Hill spruce are yellowing. They were watered heavily last fall. What can I do this spring for them? Uh, just, just do keep a check on them. Get a, I would definitely get a certified arborist in there to make sure that they, what their, what the problem is. If you have a heavy clay soil, it may have been too much water last year, uh, and you may just be seeing some winter burn. You just never know. I would get a certified arborist to see them in, in the situation that they're growing in, and have a look at what the soil is doing. Got a nice note from uh, Julie Weisenhorn. Uh, and I agree with her. She says a big thank you to Teresa. <laughs> she answers listeners' questions as a Master Gardener volunteer. We love you, Teresa. Well, I Our love you guys, too. too. And, and I have to say this is, you know, gardening is my passion. So this is just really, you guys are just helping me support my habits. So, and, yeah. And for those I get more new... out of it than you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-way street. It is. Uh, it is. And Thanks. we'll be hearing from Julie again, of course, and Mary as well. Uh, Teresa, I know we, we have to run. Let's give that uh, university website before you take your leave today and okay. urge people to jump on that and, and really see what a great website it is. It is extension.umn.edu, and it's amazing what's on there. And happy gardening, everybody. No lawn garden, no lawn stuff now, but you can do a lot of other things. Absolutely. Thanks, Teresa. Always fun. Thanks, Danny. Have a good week. Bye, guys. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney here on A3OWCCO. Now, Luke Panic will be filling in for Andy Lind this next hour. That's your chance to, well, if you have any deck questions, he's the master there. Deck, port specialist, among other things, or your general uh, home improvement questions, Luke will be glad to field next hour on our Home Improvement Show. In the meantime, in the Twin Cities, we're at 30. We are heading for near 50 degrees today, maybe 61 tomorrow. Stay with us here on CCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.